Good morning, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and this is episode 485 of the Lots Project podcast, a daily look inside our journey to live outside the systems of control, and it's another Coffee with Brian, a daily morning chat. How are we doing this morning? How is How was the weekend? How is the weekend? uh let's see we got a bunch of chat going on over in the the comments early this morning pip and james up up as usual up and on the road and at work and um actually i think pip said it's his uh sunday everybody's monday it's his sunday so he's not working he's just up and about already this morning early on that sunday get some shit done today pip uh gingerbread said he is sitting on the highway with a flipped over car in front of him uh doing some canine academy so there is that good morning good morning k bonk how we doing how we doing this morning hoping hopefully everything is going well and uh they're talking about vipers and um what else they talk about this morning uh cars and how people are stupid and if more people died in car accidents there'd be less accidents there's a summary of the the morning chat in the Lots Project chat before the show for this Monday morning. What are we going to talk about today? Talking about uh, this weekend was pretty laid back, pretty uh, rest and relaxation after we got back from uh, from our long journey. I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, did some planning with Toolman Tim over the weekend, had a meet up with him about some things. And one of the topics was the workshop workday at SRF. That was uh, that was planned. The date was set. Uh, not really sure. Oh, well, I'll dig into that a little bit more uh, later. And uh, Corey and I had a little discussion after watching a TikTok about auto dollar general, automatic dollar general. I don't think there were any employees. There were no employees in that one where there are no employees. And uh, yeah, so I'll dig into that a little bit and my thoughts and the other things I had seen and read about since uh, since we watched that TikTok. So it's um, it's good. It's good. And uh, Pip says we're living in idiocracy and it's Monday. Yeah, it is. It is. Idiocracy uh, is kind of coming into fruition. I don't think we're quite there yet. I think we like to think that. And then I also walk around and go, man, I didn't realize it was this bad. When you get uh, put in a little bubble, then you uh, then you don't. So, um, Gingerbread Farms says there's no employees in any of those. <laughs> I don't know, man. There are. Uh, I've run into a, a, a bunch. I would have to throw it 50-50. Now maybe more like twenty five seventy five. But there are some phenomenal, phenomenal dollar store employees. Dollar General. I shouldn't say Dollar Store. I don't go to. I've only been to the Dollar General. Uh, I don't think I've ever been to the Dollar Store. Maybe once, just a just a quick stop. But uh, Dollar General is a is a stop. It's a it's definitely the closest thing to us to get some things, uh, some some supplies, food, this and that, uh, quick quick hit shops and stuff like that. It is the closest thing. It's only about ten minutes away, so there is that and. Uh, 
man, every once in a while you run into one that is just a phenomenal employee and usually turns out that by the uh, by the third or fourth time you see them, they're just beat down and either quit or uh, don't have that good attitude anymore. I guess, and they're usually new people that haven't experienced it very much. Um, hey, Philippine Nomad, how we doing? Mike Philippine Nomad checking in. Glad, uh, glad the typhoon is gone and you guys are doing good, but it is still stormy season over there, I believe, in the Philippines. And uh, yeah, it's going to be wet for a while from what I understand. So stay dry, man. Stay dry. Keep those leaks uh, sealed and uh, have fun with that for sure. Anyway, what is in the cup today? Get that real quick. And we got a long, perfect cup this morning and history segment and all sorts of fun stuff. So what's in the cup today is that FTO Blonde Espresso. That FTO Blonde is so, it's it's good. I, uh, I finished up the Silver Bullet Blend over the weekend. I opened up the FTO Blonde. I uh, took notes yesterday, got some uh, got some coffee content going to come out soon, uh, really breaking down costs. And um, and where you're spending your money for what and uh, the quality improvement for the cost change. So digging into that. And uh, but this FTO Blonde is phenomenal. It is. It's just good. It's good. I think every time I I uh, take it out, I, I say, oh, it's another one of uh, it's another one of Scrambling's great coffees. And then I have some and it's it just they beat my expectations every time. And I really know that it's good. But every time I take a sip, I'm reminded how much better it is than anything else I've had. So, man, if you want to try it, check out foodforestfarms.com and uh, use LOTS5, LOTS, the numeral five, one word, L-O-T-S, numeral five. Get you 5% off anything at foodforestfarms.com. Check it out. Check it out. I suggest it. I uh, recommend it. LOTS project approved. Ah, all right. Well, let's get to that. Let's get to that perfect cup question. Speaking of coffee, the perfect cup question of the day where I throw out that uh, that question Sunday through Thursday and then grab the answers. We'll get to that. I got a long list. It was a good um, it was a good question, I guess, for a Monday for sure. So let's get to that perfect cup question of the day. Mm, There you go. All right, everyone, it's time for the 136th edition of The Perfect Cup, a daily question and my thoughts. Join the discussion in my Telegram channel at t.me slash lots feed. That's t.me slash lots feed. Every Sunday through Thursday, I throw the question out in the Telegram channel all across social medias. You can see it. Leave a comment. I will go around the next morning. I pick up all the comments, all the answers, put them on a list and bring them to the show. Read them off and uh, have a little discussion. Start with my answer and round up with Corey's. The perfect cup question of the day today was, what was your first car and did it have any issues? What was your first car and did it have any issues? I think everybody's had a first car. Most of us, anyway. I was shocked. Actually, I should not assume that. I was shocked when I got to college and the number of people that I went to school with from New York City that didn't have driver's license cars or no desire. uh, Parents that had never gotten a driver's license their whole life. There was no reason to. So. I mean, there is that. There is that. But anyway, let's get to the answers. What was your first car and did it have any issues? 
my uh my first car i can't tell you the year i really couldn't uh it was a buy from uh buy from the parents type of deal uh right for that first car was a i think a 90 would have had to been early 90s a 94 pontiac sunbird teal green it was sweet it was sweet ride uh ended up having the front bumper ripped off by someone uh, that caught their back bumper on my front bumper Drove home two hours from Buffalo with that thing in the back, uh, in the back seat, the whole front bumper. Uh, yeah, got rid of that. Got a got a pickup truck and uh, went from there. But mine was that uh, ninety early nineties Pontiac Sunbird. It was it was a solid solid ride. Hey, good morning, Canadian Farmstead. Thanks for stopping in. Uh, let's get to the audience answers. James over at Gingerbread Farm said his was a nineteen eighty two Chevette that liked to light itself on fire. That's always a good quality feature in a car for sure when it likes to light itself on fire. Uh, Bob said a 96 Chevy K1500 gave me a very expensive lesson in mechanics, so I view it as an investment in my education. Yeah, I think a lot of cars, a lot of first cars uh, will definitely put you uh, in that uh, poorhouse or... I had lots of friends that uh, would just buy new cars, would buy a car that was uh, less expensive than the repair. Definitely had someone that did it with tires. I don't think the guy ever put new tires on a car. He just bought a new car. Uh, Pip says his was a dark gray 1988 Volkswagen Golf GL four-door. After dad and I, mostly dad, worked on it a bit for uh, some basic maintenance. It was a heck of a car. I did a transfluid service. And two days later, the trans stopped working on my birthday, went to the scrapyard and uh, went to the next car. Uh, Rachel says uh, 1984 Crown Victoria. The throttle cable stuck just about every time I started it. All 90 pounds and four foot 10 of me had to crawl inside the engine to get it unstuck. And she was 16 years. She was 16 years old. She grew later. Not very much. Rachel, you're still a tiny little thing. Uh, but uh, drove it for five years, though. That thing sucked gas. Yeah, I can imagine crawling in the engine compartment sucked too for sure um chris dixon says a 1978 ford fairmont it had every issue but it ran and it would go anywhere i took it i think that is the 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 beater thing is when you grab that beater car and it's your first one and you're testing the limits uh you can take that thing anywhere i took my car and my first truck places where it never should have been for sure uh, scrambling weighed in said, uh, she, she, oh, <laughs> we have gender for his car. She was a powder blue 1978 Cougar that ran on five cylinders and for an entire year with literally no battery, I'd get a jump to roll out and just leave it running at the stores. I had the dough saved up to buy a sweet 280Z, but not, but got overruled by my, my bubble pad mom. She thought a car that could barely make it up the big hill hills was safer. <laughs> and he posted a picture. Scramlin posted a picture of him with this beauty of a uh, of a ride for sure in his powder blue suit with the powder blue car. You can check that out over at the Lots Project channel on Telegram at t.me slash lots feed. Check out what Scramlin looked way back when. <coughs> excuse me golden crickets weighed in and said i started with whatever cars my folks had available i got to drive the 96 corolla mostly 
or the 90s Suburban. The first car I bought was a 90s Civic four-speed, replaced an axle, and she was a star. I love that car and would probably be driving it now if that dumb chick didn't run a stop sign. Great car, and I'm always looking for another one. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Backwoods Butcher, chatted with him this weekend also. He says he had a 92 powder blue Buick Century. Its biggest problem was that it repelled vagina. I mean, some of those cars have that feature, um, and a lot of times you don't know it until you actually buy it. You find out, and you're like, oh, really? Uh, Joe Joseph Blaisley wrote in and said, 98 Dodge Dakota, it had plenty of issues, but it ran good. Canadian Farmstead said his was a 2007 Chevy Aveo. It was in good condition. Sorry. <laughs> Thought you were going to get a story out of me. Sorry. <laughs> Aaron over in the group says, first car? Hmm. First one I got in an accident in was still my da- in my dad's name, a 79 Toyota long bed pickup. First one I killed. Did Toyota? Toyota made a long bed pickup in 1979. All I can remember is those tiny little, uh, the tiny little, uh, Asian trucks, the yeah, the Toyotas, the Suzuki's, they were like just little tiny, tiny trucks. Uh, I didn't know they had a long bed in 79. Toyota long bed, first one I killed also in my dad's name was a 77 Chrysler, Chrysler Newport, the land yacht. Drove it into a car wash when the oil light came on. When I pulled out of the car wash, it stalled and never started again. All the cylinders had fused to the block. Uh, the first one in his name was an 80-something Mercury Zephyr given by his grandmother. I don't remember how that one died, but was, but the first one I bought myself when I when it did was for the 87 Tracel hatchback in 97. So we bought a 10-year-old Tracel hatchback, and he was in the process of replacing the transmission while it was it kept slipping out of second gear. He bought and replaced the tranny from a scrapyard in the parking lot of his grad school. And that was when he met his wife. Nice. Nice. Uh, over on, um, over on Noster had one way in a sober grizzly Bitcoin on Noster sober grizzly BTC says a GMC S 15 stick shift. And, uh, yeah, definitely prefer that stick shift over the, the manual or the, the automatic. But, man, they're getting hard to come by. Definitely getting hard to come by. And Corey weighed in. We'll wrap up with Corey's. Uh, Corey's first car was a 92 Saturn. And uh, this was in the early 2000s. This thing uh, would overheat. She'd have her heat on all year round. It's almost like it's almost like um, driving with St. Bernard's in reverse. You were, you were experiencing uh, driving with St. Bernard's before you even knew it. Except uh, we have to have the air on. She had to have the heat on to keep that thing from overheating. If you say it ran out of oil or something, it would run out of oil and overheat. <laughs> it sounded like a real, sounded like a real gem. She's told me about it many times. Uh, yeah, I, she stepped up. We're all the way up to a to a great pickup truck, <laughs> which I'll talk about a little bit later. Anyway, that was the perfect cup question of the day. Those were the answers that got thrown out before I could round them up and get them on the list for this morning. I appreciate you participating. Keep an eye out for that perfect cup question every day, Sunday through 
Thursday on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, MeWe, Noster, and especially at that Telegram channel, t.me slash lots feed. Again, that question today was, what was your first car and did it have any issues? Been another episode and now back to the main show. All right, let me give you over um, over in this. Uh, James says... Uh, my first car was a vet. Yeah, not just the wrong kind of vet. Uh, K-Bong says a BMW 1968. BMW 1968-2002, fine, until I drove it home without checking the oil. $2,000 in months to rebuild the engine and then body work. Uh, Pip says, cool part about working at a car dealership, the trade-ins are up for grabs. Now, do you get those at a discounted price, Pip? I was always wondering that. I had buddies that worked there. They would never tell me because they probably thought that I was going to get a job there just to uh, just to get the deals. But do you get, uh, do they make anything off a trade-in when an employee buys it? Or can you get it for the trade value on the way in, not on the sale, on the way out? Um. Mike, the Philippine Nomad, says he's still waiting for the apartment to be repaired over there. Man, I uh, I, I feel for you because you got more you got more stuff coming, right? More wet and rain and nasty coming. Uh, get that shit sealed up. Get it fixed. I uh, I want you to get back in there, be dry and happy. Happy happy Philippine Nomad is a good Philippine Nomad. So anyway, let's uh, let's hit up that history segment. Get that rolling, lots of history, and then we'll move on to the topics of the day. All right, everyone, it's time for another episode of Lots of History. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023. This is Lots of History prepared by Pip from DuctionCups.com. If you're a jeeper or you just like the little rubber ducks or little rubber duck big duck things and you need a place you need a way to stick them wherever you want to put them you should check out ductioncups.com ductioncups.com where you can find all those duction cup accessories ductioncups.com slash lots get you in my affiliate tracking i appreciate it if you're gonna check them out all right here we go august 7th Happy Monday, humans, and I hope your oxygen habit is staying strong. And happy birthday, Kermit. Pips welcoming you to Monday, and be sure to step, not to step on that. You're welcome. I think Pips says we're walking into Monday, Monday and trying not to slide in a big pile of poo. But anywhere, here we go. August 7th, August 7th, 1789, the United States Department of War is established. Well, that was a great idea. Uh, the United States Department of War, also called the War Department, was the United States Cabinet Department originally responsible for the operation and maintenance of the United States Army, also being responsible for Navy affairs until it established <laughs> the establishment of the Navy Department in, in 1798, and for the most land-based Air Force is until the creation of the Department of the Air Force on September 18, 1947. Pips notes on November 8th, 1800, the War Department building with its records and files was consumed by fire. They should have seen that as a uh, warning signal. Should have been gone for good. This day, August 7th, 
1794, U.S. President George Washington invokes the Militia Acts of 1792 to suppress the Whiskey Rebellion in Western Pennsylvania. The Militia Act of 1862, enacted during the American Civil War, amended the conscription provision of the 1792 and then 1795 Acts, which originally applied to every free, able-bodied white male citizen between ages of 18 and 45 to allow African-Americans to serve in the militias. The new conscription provision applied to all males, regardless of race, between the ages of 18 and 54. The Militia Act of 1903 repealed and suspended the Militia Act of 1795 and established the United States National Guard as the body of organized militia in the United States. Call it what you want. They just want people to fight for them. This day, August 7th, 1944, IBM dedicates the first program controlled calculator, the automatic sequence controlled calculator known best as the Harvard Mark I, one of the earliest general purpose electromechanical computers used in the war effort during the last part of World War II. The ASCC was developed and built by IBM at their Endicott plant and shipped to Harvard in February of 1944. It became compu computations for the U.S. Navy Bureau of Ships in May and was officially presented to the university on August 7th, 1944. Although not the first working computer, the machine was the first to automate the execution of complex calculations, making it a significant step forward for computing. Pips notes the government school math instructors laugh at the idea of having a calculator handy. First the watch, now the phone calculator. Yeah, what are you going to have, a calculator everywhere you go? <laughs> Do those math facts. <laughs> August 7th, 1959, Explorer Program. Explorer 6 launches from the Atlantic Missile Range in Cape Canaveral, Florida. It was a small spheroidal satellite designed to study trapped radiation of various energies, galactic cosmic rays, geomagnetism, radio propagation in the upper atmosphere, and the flux of micrometeorites. It also tested a scanning device designed for photographing Earth's cloud cover. On the 14th of August, 1959, Explorer 6 took the first photos of the Earth from a satellite. Pips notes, looks up and waves, then gives the finger right back to work. <laughs> this day, August 7th, 1969, Richard Nixon appoints Louis R. Bruce a Mohawk, Ogala, Sioux, and co-founder of the National Congress of American Indians as the new commissioner of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. August 7th, 1981, the Washington Star ceases all operations after 128 years of publication. A daily afternoon newspaper published in Washington, D.C. between 1852 and 1981. The Sunday edition was known as the Sunday Star. The paper was renamed several times before becoming the Washington Star by the late 1970s. August 7th, 1990, first American soldier arrives in Saudi Arabia as part of the Gulf War, a 1990 through 91 armed campaign waged by a 39 country military coalition in response to the Iraq invasion of Kuwait. Spearheaded by the United States, the coalition efforts against Iraq were carried out in two key phases. Operation Desert Shield, which marked the military buildup from August 1990 to January 1991, and Operation Desert Storm, which began with our aerial bombing campaign against Iraq on 17th of January 1991, and came to a close with American-led liberation of Kuwait on the 28th of February 1991. Pips notes, as the fourth grade teacher was using a word processor printer 
which was fairly loud. I, young Pip, made machine gun movements with my hand, not recalling that the teacher's husband was overseas in that stuff. I do believe the one, that's one of my earliest events that taught me your movements affect others. It's odd to explain. Don't know. Anyway. Oh, Pip. Oh, little Pip. Little Pip. Uh, this day, August 7th, 1997, the Space Shuttle Program, the Space Shuttle Discovery launches over STS-85 from Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida, a Space Shuttle Discovery mission to perform multiple space science packages. It was launched from Kennedy Space Center, Florida, on the 7th of August, 1997. A major experiment was the Krista, S the Krista Spas Free Flyer, which had various telescopes on board. August 7th, 2007, at AT&T Park, Bar Barry Bonds hits his 756th career home run to surpass Hank Aaron's 33-year-old record. Pips notes, this whispers, sports ball. Yeah, Barry Bonds, after he juiced for God knows how long. I don't know, was he still juicing in 2007, or is that when he was just big head? Um, I remember the dude had the biggest head and the smallest little body after he juiced up and then deflated. Oh, Bonds. Barry Bonds. Happy birthdays. Who was born today on August 7th? August 7th, 1884. Billy Burke, American actress and singer. An American actress who was famous on Broadway and radio and in silent and sound films. She is best known to modern audiences as Glinda the Good Witch of the North in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer movie musical The Wizard of Oz from 1939. I often sing the Miss Gulch tune, a.k.a. the Wicked Witch of the West, while walking through the service department. They all know I'm up to something, and the fear on their faces is spectacular. Ah, born this day... August 7th, 1916, Kermit Love, American actor, puppeteer, and costume designer, an American puppet maker, puppeteer, costume designer, and actor in children's television and on Broadway. He was best known as the designer and builder with the Muppets, in particular those on Sesame Street. During the early 1960s, Love first crossed paths with Jim Henson through Don Sal Salin, who urged him to meet up with Henson. The three first collaborated on the La on the Lachoy Dragon, Love's theatrical background had given him particular skill at handling full-body puppets and tailoring them to allow freedom of the performer's movements. This, um, Love went on to build Oscar the Grouch and then Big Bird. August 7th, 1926, Stan Freg Freyberg, American puppeteer, voice actor, and singer. Best known, his best-known works include St. George and the Dragonette. Stan Freeberg presents the United States of America. His role on television series Time for Benny, multiple characters in the Looney Tunes, such as Pete Puma and Birdie, and a number of classic television commercials. August 7th, 1944, John Glover, American actor, an American actor known for a range of villainous roles in films and television, including Daniel Clamp in Gremlins 2, The New Batch, and Lionel Luther on the Superman-inspired television series Smallville. He is also the voice of the Riddler in the DC animated universe. August 7th, 1954, Jonathan Poland, who is an Israeli spy, an informer is intelligence analyst for the U.S. government. And in 1984, Pollard, Pollard sold numerous closely guarded state secrets, including the National Security Agency's 10-volume manual on how the U.S. gathers its signal intelligence 
and disclosed the names of thousands of people who had cooperated with the U.S. intelligence agency. Was he was apprehended in 1985, and subsequently proceedings in subsequent proceedings agreed to plea deal, pleading guilty to spying for and providing top secret classified information to Israel. August 7th, 1962, Allison Brown, American banjo player, songwriter, and producer. An American banjo player, guitarist, composer, and producer. She has won and has been nominated for several Grammy Awards and is often compared to another banjo prodigy, Bella Fleck, for her unique style of playing. In her music, Her she blends bluegrass, jazz, Latin, and Celtic influences. Pips notes, if she's playing a banjo and you're paddling down a river, it's the blonde worth checking out next time on Black Mirror. That's his attempted humor. <coughs> Let's see who passed away, who kicked off, who died on August 7th. August 7th, 1970, Jonathan P. Jackson, American bodyguard and kidnapper. Wait a second. Bodyguard and kidnapper. An American youth who died of gunshot wounds suffered during his armed invasion of California courthouse at age of 17. Jackson stormed the Marin County Courthouse with automatic weapons kidnapping Superior Court Judge Harold Haley, Prosecutor Gary Thomas, and three jurors. Really? This day, uh, August 7th, 2005, Peter Jennings, Canadian-American journalist and author, died. A Canadian-American television journalist best known for serving as uh, the sole anchor of ABC World News Tonight from 1983 until his death from lung cancer in 2005. Despite dropping out of high school, Jennings transformed himself into one of America's television's most, pro most prominent journalists. Uh, August 7, 2013, Margaret Pellegrini, American actress and dancer, an American actress, vaudeville performer and dancer, best known for playing one of the Munchkins from the 1939 film The Wizard of Oz. Until her death in 2013, she was one of the three surviving Munchkins, the other two being Jerry Marin and Ruth Robinson Duccini. This day, August 7th, 2021, Markle Post, American actress. Her best-known roles included Bail Bondsman Terry Michaels in The Fall Guy on ABC from 1982 to 85. Public defender Christine Sullivan mm, on NBC sitcom Night Court from 1985 to 1992 and others. Post also had regularly recurring guest roles on The Direct or the district and on Scrubs as the mother of Dr. Elliot Reed. Pips notes, ah, Scrubs, great show, but Night Court. Yeah, I got to remember that 1985 through 1992 would have been right in my wheelhouse from, uh, of developing my, my interests in women and, oh, Christine. Hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. Christine Sullivan from Night Court. There you go. Uh, holidays. Holidays on August 7th. August 7th is National Purple Heart Day in the United States. A United States military decoration awarded in the name of the president to those wounded or killed while serving or on, uh, on or after the 5th of April, 1917 with the U.S. military. With its forerunner, the Badge of Military Merit, which took the form of a heart made of purple cloth, the Purple Heart is the oldest military award still given to the U.S. military members. The National Purple Heart Hall of Honor is located in New Windsor, New York. A United States military decoration. Oh, that's a copy and paste. Again, the rest of the holidays are just details. Humans, go do stuff today. Happy Monday and GSD. Pip from Duction Cups reminding you that oxygen habits are not one to be ashamed of. 
Some things are necessary, so go plant a tree. <laughs> duck it and go forth and prosper. Thank you, Pip. You can find all the notes for today's history section over uh, at the blog post I do every day for the episode. Just find that blog post at thelotsproject.com. Hit in the first, in the intro, there is lots to talk about. It is a direct link down to the bottom of the thing, down to the bottom of the post, excuse me. Or you can just scroll down there and check out all the history segments and links to get further information. I appreciate Pip doing this every day. If you appreciate the history segment, or like I said, you dislike those ducks or suction cups or playing around with these cool little things, check out ductioncups.com slash lots. Now back to it, back to the main show. Oh, look at all of these. Um, <laughs> what is going on here? Um <laughs> Oh, man, uh, Philippine Nomad has a ton of uh, cars here in the comments. Pip says, we're going to witness the end of the newspaper, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's already done. Um, he's saying that they got all sorts of... Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, Philippine Nomad said he's got a bunch of lag over there, and uh, he's having trouble. He's going to catch us later. Backwoods Butcher, good morning. How we doing? You made it in 627 did you have a little nappy nap this morning dj Smokey, welcome to the show it says he was involved in an illegal gangbang at coachella hmm well involved as a as a participant on the giving or the taking um snuffy it's only illegal if you get caught yes that's true pip and uh <laughs> or your lawyer doesn't get you off um, geez. Anyway, anyway, let's keep rolling here. Corey and I decided this weekend was, um, kind of a regroup, regroup and, um, regroup and re-energize, get kind of ready to move forward. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on the store show, but, uh, it's official. My wife, uh, my, my beautiful wife, uh, has been asked to and has accepted a new position at work. Um, her boss has worked really hard to put her in a role that uh, really suits her, that really um, her boss is very, very, very conscious of getting the most out of her employees, seeing strengths and weaknesses, um, not necessarily weaknesses, I want to say um, things that deter optimal performance. Uh, I think there's uh, there's a, a level of work that can be achieved, but then when there are outside factors and things going on um, and interactions that you don't particularly care for, it just it it hurts your it hurts your workability. Uh, I think Corey's boss is really good at evaluating her employees and putting them in roles that really focus them into the things they should be doing and the things they enjoy concentrating on. She got a little promotion. I should say more than a little promotion. Um, she's changing complete job roles. She's changing structures. She's changing interaction with who she interacts with, what she does on a daily basis. And she feels like she's going to be much, uh, much more comfortable and uh, and happy in this role, I would say, uh, once she's trained. 
it'll be interesting for a little while. She's got to train somebody. Uh, she has to get trained. And um, yeah, I think the person she's taken over has been doing the role for what, like eight years, eight years now, and she's still learning. Uh, so it's one of those constantly ever evolving roles. And uh, she's excited. She's excited to it. Foe. But uh, anyway, I'm excited for that. She starts training her replacement today. Uh, so that's why we, um, <laughs> uh, that's why we kind of took it easy this weekend. We wanted to relax. She's going to be balls to the wall for a while. Um, and K Bong says, nice, Corey. Brian's safe for a bit longer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that, uh, <laughs> in the future. Uh, everybody's saying congratulations. Uh, let's see. Backwoods book butcher Canadian farmstead Pip and I they're all saying happy uh, congratulations and good morning um, they're very happy for you K Bonk also so gingerbread farms I don't want to miss anybody they all they all love you more than me so I can tell by uh, the views on the the shows that Corey is involved in guys don't uh, don't think I don't notice anyway we decided to kind of uh, chill and relax and kind of get caught up with um, rest from our big trip. Uh, we worked that first week when we got back and we were just, we just wanted to kind of do nothing. It was going to be super hot and humid. Uh, man, we had the air on early both mornings and we just, um, we just, uh, we just hung out and, uh, and did a whole lot of nothing. I did a lot of planning. I had a meeting, uh, with Toolman Tim on Saturday morning and then hung out with the backwoods butcher for a simulcast of two, a simulcast of two podcasts uh, on Saturday night. So that was fun, but uh, did a lot of planning, did a lot of kind of talking. I uh, I'm kind of on our trip. One of my goals. And I think I talked about this on the trip recap was to kind of evaluate going forward the next six months, three months, six months uh, is where we really look ahead um, and make decent plans, decent, solid plans beyond that. It's kind of up in the air. We have long-term goals. We have, uh, we have our sights set, but uh, man, those, those short-term goals are what we really like to drive for and make plans three to six months at a time. Well, three months gets us through SRF. Uh, we decided that, uh, the six months that we're going to try to make it through the winter here, uh, not ruling out any any uh, short trips over the winter, but uh, we're going to try to stick it out here, see what it is to go through a Tennessee winter, um, understanding that it might not be consistent. It might be extremely hot this winter or extremely cold. You never know, but uh, just get a feel for what it is. So uh, we made those decisions. Also kind of uh, evaluated what we had going on or what I had going on, I guess, with um, the LOTS project and where it's going, what the focus needs to be. Um, and so put all those things together this weekend. Uh, like I said, I had a meeting with uh, Toolman Tim about some of that. Tim and I kind of bounce ideas off each other. We have, um, uh, I don't know what to call a mastermind, like networking meetings uh, where we just kind of go over thoughts and help each other. This was a big chunk of that meeting was me rambling on about, uh, about what we have uh moving forward and kind of the direction that we're taking. And uh, I think I'm going to really put that together and lay it all out in episode 500 of this show, which strangely enough is next Monday night. So I got, I got a week to really dial it in. Um, 
man, we're really going to push hard on, on, um, on the RV maintenance, fixing this up. Those were some things we realized on the trip that uh, things, things really got beat up. There were things that uh, had been lacking also before we left. So going to do a lot of RV maintenance focus. We're going to focus on uh, burning out some, uh, some work on Tim's property. We're also going to work on getting some consultations going with hip camp and get some people, uh, get some people, get some campers on some properties, whether I help the campers get signed up and find their sites or, uh, or get the landowners going and uh, get some uh, small income streams coming through their property. So those are some focus points for us so far. Uh, let's see, what do we got going on here? Um, uh, Kyle said that was fun. And uh, he's still laughing about the fact I call his kids carpet munchers. Well, when I was thinking about your wife and trying to talk about your kids, things just pop out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, what are those things? Uh, carpet goblins, crotch goblins and carpet goblins. You get them, you get them all mixed up. Uh, uh, Pip says he's been looking at Columbia, Tennessee and Northwest just for window shopping. Orlando's getting a little weird. Um, getting weird. Yeah. Backwoods nailed it. Uh, it's Orlando's getting weird. I think in 1996 when I was in Orlando and probably even back in the eighties when I was in Orlando, it was weird already. Um, <laughs> curtain crawlers. <laughs> Anybody need a grease gun? James has got a DeWalt grease gun, uh, battery operated grease gun. He's got for sale. And all sorts of stuff at SRF. But anyway, anyway, let's get back to this list. Oh, man. I uh, had that meeting with Tim, Toolman Tim. Uh, he's got the property down here in Tennessee. He's up in Alberta, Canada, if you don't know about who Toolman Tim is. But he, uh, he's got a, a raw property down here. That is basically the reason we are where we're at. We're doing a little bit of work for him while he can't be down here. Uh, getting that property kind of accessible and maybe get some uh, tent sites and maybe some uh, uh, way in the future. I don't think it's going to be soon, soon, uh, but maybe some small camper site, small, small rig camper sites um, and maybe some cabins up on there. So we got together on Saturday and we've been kicking around the idea of having a SRF work day since Tim's going to be down here for SRF. Uh, he's going to be down here early, and uh, we're going to be doing some work for a little bit together on the property. But uh, with a lot of the community members coming into town for SRF and his property being only uh, about 45 minutes away from SRF, made sense to do a workshop work day on the property if people wanted to show up. And uh, like Tim said in the group yesterday, in his group, it's going to be more of a uh, meet and greet. Uh, a meet and hang out and get some work done. I know we're all GSDers and we just want to get in there and, uh, and, and uh, get, get it done and uh, what can get done. Well, right now there isn't really a project list at all. It's all going to depend on what I accomplish and what Tim and I accomplish together or whoever else comes down and helps on that property, uh, what gets done prior to that day. And I think it's going to be right leading up to that. And I don't think it's going to be major uh, undertakings. 
unless we got a ton of people and a major undertaking is a little bit out of any of us. So uh, I think it's going to be more of a, a let's let's do some stuff. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other in person. Let's uh, let's meet and talk and hang out uh, before the festival. Don't want to be just blasting out and then spend three days at a festival. So we're going to do that on Thursday, October, Thursday, October 12th. Um, as far as I know from Tim, and I'll confirm this, but uh, man, if you want to come down and tent camp on that property prior to, you're more than welcome. And I'm guessing uh, a little bit after too is not going to be an issue, especially, especially um, in network, in community, inside the, the workshop community or the lots project community, I'm sure are welcome. Uh, man, uh, Tim is very generous with that property. And I'm guessing uh, if you wanted to pitch a tent, I'll tell you, there's no electric, there's no water, there's no nothing really at this point. It's just a raw piece of uh, 10 acres. And, um, with a bunch of trees and brush and growth. But if you wanted to uh, throw up a hammock or a tent and hang out, you're more than welcome. I am uh, almost positive. I, I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for that and uh, not get in too much trouble. But we do have some projects in line that we want to get done before that, like getting an outhouse up, getting a little parking area cleared um, and a little bit of better access to the property. And, um, yeah, those are kind of the the big points to get done before the workday, and then uh, whatever whatever we come to the conclusion of needs to be done before Tim takes off, and uh, I don't have any help uh, when he leaves, because I plan on working over the winter. We're uh, we're excited to be here when the weather cools down. I can definitely work a lot harder, a lot longer, and uh, a lot easier as the temperature comes down. So that's the plan: is to work hard through the fall, winter, and into the spring and get some stuff accomplished there. I think Tim wants a, uh, a little cabin put up. I would be really excited to get some uh, campsites installed and get some people out there enjoying the property um, and get the site listed. That would be a big goal for me. And Tim and I also have some things in the works on the back end of that that, uh, that I'd like to get accomplished that we'll probably, probably announce at a later time um, the stuff we're working on, so. That's that. Um, got about eh, a little bit of time here left for uh, the automated DG of Walmart um, thoughts I had this weekend. Was that this weekend that we saw that? Yeah, I think it was over this weekend. <coughs> All right. We're sitting here on our relaxation weekend, you know, having some beers, uh, checking out TikTok and hanging out, doing a whole lot of nothing. And Corey's like, hey, check this out. And it was an RV couple that were traveling in the mountains, I think in the Rockies somewhere, Colorado, somewhere. It looked pretty, it looked pretty touristy, but on this mountaintop, they pulled into this dollar general. Uh, they walk up to the door, the door's locked and there's a little uh, keypad there and a note and all this stuff. And basically when you get to the door, there's no employees. You scan your card on the way in, you go in and you grab all your groceries and you walk out the door and it charges them to your card. And I've been listening to Jack Spierko on the Survival Podcast for quite a while. We, he's been talking, this has been on his radar, John Pugliano, uh, all sorts of people in that community have seen the automation coming. 
talked about the carts, the facial recognition, the blah, 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 and all of the, the possibilities with RFID tracking, QR codes, everything. Um, it, we knew it was coming. And this wasn't the first I'd read about it. I, I had read about the, the Walmart trials with the, the scanners on the rim of the carts where as an item goes in the cart, it scans, as it comes out of the cart, it, it uh, takes it off the list. Uh, so anything in that cart that rolls through the lane is purchased by you. Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. Uh, I, think, I think it opens the door a lot for minimal staff, higher end staff, a little minimal, a lot smaller, um, pool for employees and only the best of the employees or the best of the workforce are going to be hired there. They're going to be people that are going to be able to troubleshoot and fix the automated systems that are um, networking to, to um, scan the items, to run the credit card systems. They're going to be uh, eventually, I can only imagine that they're not going to be having anybody stock shelves. It's going to be auto stocking. Um, you're going to have to have people that fix and troubleshoot that. Uh, a computer can do a lot of things. A computer can't change a belt. Well, it can, as long as the belt on the computer and the machine that is changing the belt doesn't break. At some point, there's going to have to be, I believe, some, some still some human interaction there. Um, being in that maintenance, in that computer IT, in that uh, robotics, in those fields is going to benefit going forward because that's what walmart's going to turn into it's going to be you're going to walk in you're going to grab your stuff and you're going to walk out and there's going to be no checkout lines there's going to be no anything it's just going to get charged to a your credit card or b your retinas or c whatever your microchip in your arm these aren't far off ideas um I know that Walmart uh, article I read about Walmart is uh, it was bringing up the 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 point that people are going to be able to steal shit really easy and um, and get away with it. And Walmart basically said, yeah, uh, we have facial recognition on everybody that comes in and out of the store. Basically, when we flip the switch here and uh, you it's it's an honor system, a really quote unquote honor system because they're not trusting anyone. But someone walks out without paying anything. They just get turned off. They just can't come back in. They have their face. Weird that there was a two-year period where they were working on facial recognition programs that will recognize you with a mask on. Huh. Like, hey, uh, we have this new feature we're testing on your iPhone. Try to open your phone with facial recognition with your mask on. Huh. Weird. Um, so it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Uh. Kyle says there will be no honor when that time comes. Dude, that time is here. It is here. When you walked into that Dollar General, they were showing uh, around. And, man, there were cameras everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. You think there's a lot of cameras in, like, a casino or in an airport, things like that. You walked in this Dollar General, and there was just a line of cameras at the beginning and end of every aisle. Like... 
looking down every aisle, looking in between the aisles. Like there were, there was every square inch of this was, um, every square inch of this was covered by cameras. It was unbelievable. So, um, that's here guys that's here so so let's uh let's pair that up with some other some other control factors um uh, where you know they got the facial recognition so you can't get into xyz store whatever store that is that you pissed off or they are just upset with you they turn you off can't walk in there with your face otherwise you're not going to be able to buy anything uh, and then let's go to uh some c um CBD, CD, CBDC, some central bank digital currency. Let's get rid of that dollar. Let's get rid of uh, hard currency and let's put it all electronic. So when uh, when the government doesn't like you for whatever reason, they just shut you off. So if they can control your currency and they can control the stores you can go into, man, doesn't sound like fun to me. Ah, it doesn't sound like you like fun to me. K-Bong says self-checkout stopped working for me for no reason yesterday. The attendant came over, reviewed the tape of the transactions, confirmed I did everything correctly and rebooted the scan system. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you turn it on, turn it off again? Turn it off, turn it on again? Yeah. <laughs> Gingerbread Farm says you can afford loss when you aren't paying people. Um, it isn't even about that, dude. It really isn't even about that. They're just figuring out how to make it. So if you do it once, you can't do it again. Simple. Um, <laughs> Kyle says, try to cut me off with trackers, groceries, and cigarettes. Oh, man. Yeah, they're going to soon, dude. They will soon. They will. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's it's slowly evolving and then very quickly. You'll see it. You'll see it popping in here and there and then it'll be everywhere. It's already it's already done. It's already in the works. It's already it's at that point. So the the automated kiosks, the $15 an hour push was what sent that over the edge. And we've talked about it a long time. I mean, I've talked about it with with friends and acquaintances and coworkers for a long time. Uh, but uh, Jack's talked about it for quite a while on TSP. Uh, it's been spinning around in my head for a long time. That $15 an hour was the barrier to make automated equipment affordable. Companies finally decided that the upfront cost on these kiosks is now X amount of labor hours at $15 an hour. And then the maintenance and ongoing costs and no benefits and all of that going forward now puts us at a net positive because A, our labor went up and B, the technology got cheaper. Before I got out of the gas stations, they were already installing a self-service gas station convenience store, C-store kiosks that were self-serve inside as well as outside. Uh, I worked on plenty of satellite locations for uh, gas station companies that were unmanned. Everything was remote. Everything was uh, done remote. Everything was monitored remote. And uh, there were no employees on site. And I had to go to a different location to get access to anything, to get the keys to get in. So that wasn't, uh, that isn't, that's there already. Um, so it's just the implementation. It's, um, 
it is what it is, guys. It is what it is. Pippadai says, fooled, fooled me once, shame on me, fooled me twice, now you starve. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, K-Bong says, hit those thumbs, ass hats. Yes, ass hats, hit those thumbs. Those are his words, not mine. Anyway, let's uh, let's hit that item of the day and then uh, uh, interview plug and get out of here. Item of the day today is the Scandinavian egg whisk. This thing is fantastic. Uh, Corey got it from her grandmother uh, from Sweden, all the way, uh, all the way from Sweden. It is uh, original OG Scandinavian. I couldn't find the exact one that we had, but one that is very similar. Uh, the functionality is the same. The handle is a little different. But anyway, anyway, uh, this thing is fantastic. It's it's the whisk I never knew I needed. It works in all sorts of bowls and containers and everything. It's a flat whisk with a removable coil easy to wash, easy to uh, store. They're fantastic. Check them out. Scandinavian, Scandinavian egg whisk uh, review and uh, video review and uh, blog post review link in the, in the video and audio descriptions here. And also a link to Amazon affiliate, the Amazon affiliate link for the item. Also, if you scroll down a little bit more in the video and audio notes, you can find uh, our general Amazon link. That is the link that you can click on. It goes to the Amazon homepage, but puts you in our affiliate tracking. If you got a shop on Amazon, but you don't want a Scandinavian egg whisk and you don't want to go look at that and then have to go somewhere else, hit that general link, go to the homepage. Hey, here's an idea. Bookmark it. Bookmark that page. Or I might be doing a little video here how to make it a quick button on your phone that you hit it and it opens the app if you prefer using the app, but it still gets you in our tracking. I do the work so that uh, that it, I can make it easy for you to just send us send us pennies on the backside when you're doing your Amazon shopping. Anyway, I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So check out those notes and uh, more videos and content coming out soon about that. Anyway, uh, interview plug tonight. I got stories from a serial entrepreneur. I got Roderick Lenhart on. This dude um, started off with a fruit stand in his mom's yard and has built many, many, many and sold many, many companies. He's had many successes and many failures. He's going to stop by. We're going to talk about his journey and uh, and and a bunch of stories, tips, tricks, and uh, things to avoid. Check it out tonight. Lots to talk about. 6 p.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, uh, and all the places, all the normal places. So I appreciate you hanging out. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find it at thelotsproject.com or on Noster, Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Rumble, and Instagram. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys. Make it a great week. Let's start it out. Let's knock it out of the park, and we will catch up with you tomorrow. I can feel the sun.